Hello everyone, this is Julia and this is the Bliss Tour. How have you been? It's been a long time. Or for some of you, this is the first time. I'm so excited for you to hear my interview with Jay of Joyfully Jay. I picked Jay's brain about the growing popularity of gay romance, also called MM Romance, why I can't stop reading these novels, and my slight obsession with For Real by Alexis Hall. Before we start, I want to let you know there's an echoey sound on the audio that is entirely my fault. My apologies, and I hope it doesn't take away from this fun, awesome interview. And better news, I'll have links to all the authors we talk about on my blog, theblisstour.com. Now, let's get to the interview. I run a GBLT romance review blog called Joyfully Jay. Um, the blog is about six and a half years old. Um, it started September 2011, and it was just me, and I was doing a few reviews a week. And it's grown over the past six and a half years. I now have nine reviewers who write as part of the blog along with myself. And we review about 17 to 20 books a week. And we host authors um, daily, Monday through Friday, for guest posts and to come and talk about books and series that they're writing. Then we do a couple of other big events every year. The blog has grown quite a bit. And like I said, it's primarily focused on male-male romance, but we do do GBLT romance in general. And every once in a while, we throw in some male-female het romance, depending on the connection to maybe a larger gay romance series. Okay. Just a little background about why I asked to interview you. I went to see Call Me By Your Name, which is a movie. It was nominated for an Oscar. It's mm-hmm. won a lot of awards. It's a really good movie, and I really loved it. And I said to another friend of mine, you have to go see this movie because we have to discuss it. And she saw it. <laughs> and then, so, yeah, she saw it. And then she was like, I saw it and then I watched it again and we were talking about this and one of the reasons we were talking about it so much was because we are in a a book club called Crack Club and it's a bunch of writers, mostly romance writers, and we read crack books, like trying to figure out what's in these books that are really, that really make them sell, that really draw you in, that are just really good and we read For Real by Alexis Hall. Mm-hmm. And we were all just like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> yes, that, was, that was our first gay romance that we read. And we were just amazed by it. And we were, we were talking about it. And so when I saw Call Me By Your Name, I was like, I need to talk to like someone who knows way more about gay romances than I, than I do. <laughs> um, because between For Real and seeing Call Me By Your Name, I read about five gay romances but I was just—I was just sort of obsessed about what am I finding in these that aren't in heterosexual cis romances? Mm-hmm. What are the elements that I'm finding so attractive? Why do you think women, mostly heterosexual, mostly cis women, are reading gay romance? Why do they read them? Why is it becoming more and more popular? 
And I just want to, I have like random theories, but I have no idea. I haven't, I feel like I haven't read enough to have a better sense of it. But, you know, what's your sense of why women are reading gay romance? Sure, sure. This is a question I get um, all the time. And I think it's a question that um, readers of the genre and authors of the genre get all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think, first off, I think, and you mentioned this um, a little bit, but I think that it's important just for people in general to realize that while there's a large female readership and authorship, I don't know that you can say, or if you can say that the majority are um, necessarily heterosexual cis women. I know lots of women who identify in various places on the LBGTQ spectrum. So I think that it's important to remember not every woman who's a reader or writer is a straight woman. But I think given, you know, even with that sort of caveat, I do think that it's true that it surprises a lot of people to find that gay romance has a lot of female readers and authors. And I think that it varies, certainly it varies for, for everybody. I mean, I can speak to my experience and certainly be happy to talk to you more about sort of some of your theories. But um, I think for me, just by way of background, I um, came into gay romance having been a romance reader for several years. I actively followed um, several blogs, read reviews, and um, I had been reading all heterosexual romance because, honestly, I didn't even realize there was anything else out there. I sort of came to romance sort of through, like, a chiclet fantasy kind of gateway and suddenly ended up in romance and didn't know how, quite how I got there and then tore through every single thing I could find. And so I came to gay romance having read a review on a blog, and it was really well-received. The book was really well-received, and the reader response was really positive. And my first instinct was not do I want to read this book, but sort of, am I allowed to read this book? It almost felt like, is this a place I'm even supposed to be? And there were such positive reviews. I went out, got the book. It was Zero at the Bone by Jane Seville. If you've uh, I've heard of it, it is a big fan favorite, sort of old school romance. Again, this is 10 years ago. And absolutely loved it and then started seeking out more. And as I started reading um, more gay romance, I sort of went from you know, 90% romance to 10% gay, and slowly that expanded. And I think that what appealed to me at the time, uh, and again, the landscape of romance has changed so significantly in the last, you know, nine or 10 years. Um, but at the time, I had a harder time finding romances with really either strong female characters, female characters that had a lot of um, sexual agency or independence, um, stories where there was as much balance between the characters so that the female role could be as strong as the male role. And again, they certainly were out there, and now they're definitely out there. Um, but at the time, it wasn't as easy to find, or at least I wasn't finding them. So that was really appealing to me. Um, there's a lot of things, that, again, at the time that you would very rarely see with male-female characters, like either open relationships or relationships where the characters would date other people or see other people or sleep with other people in the course of their relationship or that there would be some kind of open relationship or as much sort of parody, sexual parody, gender parody between the characters. And so I think that part of what really drew me into the gay romance was that it offered 
um, some of those things that I wasn't finding quite as much. And as a result, there were a lot of new stories, new angles, new way of approaching things that were being done in gay romance that I wasn't finding in heteromance. Um, and again, I think that over the years that has really changed. And I think that you can find all of those things now in male female romance as a blogger who does this and reads, you know, 250 books a year and has hundreds and hundreds of books offered to me. I tend to still sort of stick in my lane just because I read almost exclusively for the blog right now. But I do think that the genre has really, I mean, romance in general has really expanded the roles for women. I think the second piece for me personally was also, I kind of liked and still like reading romance when there's not a female character because the female heroine, I always sort of felt like that's who I'm supposed to identify with because I'm a woman and they're a woman. That's sort of my character and I'm supposed to see the story through their eyes and I felt like I was often comparing how they were acting versus how I would act, the things that, um, how their responses, their behavior, their attractiveness, their fact that they were beautiful and had beautiful clothes and looked perfect all the time. And when I'm reading a character with two men, it takes away my piece of that and I can read it from a point where I can identify with either character or both or neither in a way that I find really appealing. What's interesting is that I talk to people who either completely feel the same way as me or who feel the opposite way and sometimes have trouble and want a, want a story that has a female character because they like that ability to sort of match themselves with a the character. And certainly that isn't to say, and I should just clarify, it certainly isn't to say that I think that a woman can't read about two men or men can't read about women and identify with them. Right. Because certainly you can. People can identify with people who are very different than themselves. But I just found that I sort of had that need to see myself in the woman character in a way that I don't um, in gay romance. Yeah, I'm one of those people who completely agrees with you. <laughs> I That's I, because it allows you a certain objectivity. Mm -hmm. You don't mm -hmm. have to. Well, first of all, I don't really identify with most of most of the romances, most of the novels I read, I don't identify with the characters. I'm sort of looking at them, at their story. Um, even if it's in first person, I'm still, most of the time, I'm still objective. So it doesn't bother me so much if they're unlikable because I don't have to identify with them and I can still be mm -hmm. likable. Other ideas, you know, people talk about, um, I've heard people say that it's two heroes and women read romances for the heroes. And I don't really do that. But that's uh, something I heard on a blog or, or not heard on a blog, heard on a podcast. Um, but I pretty much 100% agree with you. And I think a lot of it is, have you ever seen, okay, here's another movie reference that you may not have seen. Have you ever seen The Kids Are All Right? With... I, yes, with... um. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Mark, Ruff, Mark Ruffalo and Julian Moore. Yes, yes. And so there's a scene mm -hmm. where the um, the couple, the two women, they, they're married, they have kids, and they're having sex, and they're watching gay porn. They're watching right. men yes, have yes, sex, and their son comes in and is, like, just so confused. And she's trying to explain it. And, um, and basically she's saying... But basically she's saying there's a sense of objectivity. I don't have to look at a woman and think, 
how did she get into this position? Like, is she being mm-hmm. cared for? Is she being coerced? You know, what is her body like? D- just mm-hmm. how does it compare to mine? Just all those things that go through your head that I feel like can push a stop button. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, in romance in general, whether it's gay romance or heterosexual romance, I think a lot of women read romance because we're kind of working that whole thing out, how relationships can work mm-hmm. wherever we are in sort of history. And like right now we're working on parity and equality. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? We read um, For Real for Crack Club and we read another book. It was a heterosexual couple and the woman was just out of college and sort of aimless, you know, followed this man to a a different place and just sort of hung out for the summer with him to, to see if they could make this relationship work out. And during book club, some of us had a real problem with this woman just sort of following this man. Like, what is she doing? Blah, blah, blah. Why doesn't she get it together and like go to graduate school or do <laughs> whatever? And then we read for real, not Lori, but Toby. Toby, Toby. yes. Toby is pretty aimless and he just kind of shows up at his door and we were all like, he's so awesome. (laughs) And then we had a discussion about, okay, wait, why do we think these two characters doing basically the same things, being sort of basically in the same spaces in their lives? Right, early 20s, late teens, maybe a couple of years apart, doing the same thing, trying to figure themselves out, but seeing that there's someone that they can love and have that sort of potential, we treated those two characters, the male and female, very differently. So we started talking about that and like, you know, what is it? Is it internalized misogyny? Is it, why, why did that happen? And then just over the course of like six months, I was reading male, male gay romance and then call me by your name. And then I think it started, it got kicked off by for real because I was just so blown away by that book and the Mm -hmm. writing and the story. And I think Alexis Hall is an amazing writer, but that was, that was why I called. And just when I was in high school, like there were no out kids. Do you know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. And now it's like kids are out in middle school. Or, yeah, absolutely. And so that's just a huge difference. And I just wonder about how we tell stories, how we work things out. And when I say things, how we work social structures out in the stories we tell. If that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Mm-hmm. It may not. Um, no, I think that's an interesting point about you know, the two characters that you said, because I do think, I mean, it sort of goes back to the point that I was making is that what we want for our female characters may not necessarily be the same because we sort of have that underlying sense of, you know, is she being taken advantage of this man? Is she just following a man? We want her to be strong in her own right. right. Those sort of gender dynamics that are really impossible to completely escape that when you're dealing with two people of the same gender can not always be eliminated, but can be maybe either more even or not as striking a difference. Yeah. And, you know, when you're dealing with two male characters, I mean, for real is an interesting example because there, there's a big 
age difference and experience difference. So you have sort of a younger, less experienced man with an older, more experienced man. What's interesting about that story, I think, particularly is because it sort of flips it and the younger, less experienced one is the dominant relationship, which is a really wonderful dynamic there. But I think that, you know, like I said, we were saying sort of, you know, for your female characters, you want them to behave and be strong and have all of these things. And it is really hard to completely take that, you know, the sort of your feelings about equality and parity and all these other things and put them aside while you're reading it's always going to color your experience so i can understand how you can look at those two books and just from all of your sort of conditioning everything else have a different perception of the way the two characters would be reacting even if it's a similar um similar setup yeah yeah we that was it was so interesting we were all like what does this mean we have to investigate (laughs) You were saying that it's really changed in the past 10 years from when you started to now, but are there other elements that you used to see or other than that sort of gender power parody? Well, again, I think that you see a lot of strong female characters now. And again, I think that sexual agency is just much, much more common now. And it's just much more accepted for sort of women to have their own desire and interests. And it doesn't always have to be male-led. I mean, it's interesting. I remember reading, when I first started reading gay romance, getting male perspective a lot on intimate scenes was something that in a lot of the books I read always came from the female perspective, which I thought was interesting. And I hadn't even really realized it until I started reading. But it was very often, especially I think in historicals, sort of the woman sort of receiving all of this experience and knowledge and whatever from the man who was sort of giving it to her and she was taking it and so we were getting her sort of wide-eyed wonder about this world in a way that again wasn't as common or isn't as common in gay romance and I certainly think it's probably not as common in heterosexual romance now but again was certainly an angle and I think that just on a general level I think a lot of gay romance readers or GBLC romance readers really are in the genre or enjoy the genre because they also just like to read about and support stories that show happily ever after for all kinds of people. And I think that, you know, that's not an insignificant piece. A lot of writers and authors I know either identify GBLTQ in some way or have family members who do, children who do. I know a lot of authors who have gay sons who really are looking to give stories out that show happy ever afters for, you know, for their family, for their kids. And so I think that, you know, that's a big component as well, just really enjoying seeing a diverse range of people and experiences and love for everybody and not just, you know, certain genders and certain races and certain sexual orientations. So I think that, I think that that's an element that, you know, shouldn't be overlooked either. I'm not sure if that's how people get into um, gay romance, but I certainly think it's something that keeps people there once they start reading. Yeah. I'd read a couple before I read For Real. What I found so striking, and I just have to squee more about Alexis Holland, For Real. (laughs) so amazing. And this may be in other heterosexual romance that I just don't read, because I don't, I tend not to read sort of really angsty romances at least not heterosexual ones. I tend to read more light. I wouldn't say fluffy, but 
light and um, fun, I think is, is the word I'm looking for. And I just found, and I call it, and this may be the wrong word, but I, I felt like there was an acceptance of the idea of loneliness in reading for real and in reading Chris Ripper, just the idea of loneliness. Whereas in heterosexual romance, especially now, maybe in older um, books, this wasn't the same, but especially now I, I get the sense that every female character is just sort of, I'm okay. I've got a great career that I love and I've got yeah. friends and I've got family and I just happen to meet this great guy who I really love and it's mm -hmm. going to be a happily ever after. Whereas I felt like in some of these, some of the gay romances, I really felt that they're, they were willing to admit a real depth of loneliness. And I think that appealed to me because I thought it was very real in some ways. Mm -hmm. For real. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> some book recommendations. But as a person who's just starting out, what are some uh, series or authors or tropes that mm -hmm. I can look into for sure. what direction can I go in next? Sure, sure. Well, I think first, there is for every sort of genre trope storyline that there is in um, heterosexual romance or in romance land in general, there are probably the same in, um, in gay romance. So I think that sort of narrowing down the type of books that you're interested in, you can find almost all of those same things. So a lot of it depends on what kind of reading that you like to do. But I can certainly give some general romance recommendations of some of my favorites or some that I think are sort of universally really liked. I love A Good Marriage of Convenience. Oh, I love Marriage of Convenience, too. Um, oh, gosh. You know, give me a second, because I seriously just did, on the blog, um, I have a, if, you, if you're on the blog, I'll tell you just for anyone who's listening, if you go to the um, red menu bar, I have a, a tab called Favorites, and if you um, scroll down there, there is a um, favorite, favorite books list, and I have... A lot of my favorite um, tropes in here. So I have personal favorites, age gap. I love age gap stories. Okay. Um, Aegis stories, just because they're so fun. I love enemies to lovers. I have cross-dressing heroes. I love gender sort of playing with all that. So I love a guy, guy in some, you know, lacy underwear kind of things. Snowbound stories. And I just did, and now I'm going to try to find it because I'm, it's not there. I just did a big list of fake relationship stories that were sort of the combination of marriage of convenience and, you know, I'm the bodyguard pretending to be the boyfriend kind of thing. Yeah, so I did. Actually, it's funny because I got a request from a reader, which is actually what inspired this post, who was interested in stories about um marriage of convenience and big relationships. So we put together a whole list. So, um, oh, one of them that I really like, Bad Company by K.A. Mitchell. You can't go wrong with K.A. Mitchell, but she um, is actually just re-releasing her Bad in Baltimore series. And Bad Company is one of the one of the books in that series. So I think that one has already been re-released. I love K.A. Mitchell. One of my favorites, if you enjoy comedy, is the um, Wake Up Married serial by um, Lita Blake and Alice Griffiths. 
It's a six-part serial, and the premise of that are two men who get drunk and get married in Vegas, and one of them has a mobster family who won't let them get divorced. And it's a whole um, series of them you know, sort of attempting to dissolve the marriage in the beginning and then coming to a place where they, of course, end up falling for each other by the end. If you like anything in the um, supernatural, paranormal I highly recommend Jordan L. Hawk. I love everything that she has written that I have read. I actually read, I think, 11 of her books in one year. I basically started in January and read, no joke, every single thing that she had released all at once because she has, um, mostly she writes historical paranormal. Her Wyborn and Griff series is amazing and certainly is like required reading in the genre, I think which is a historical, um, so she has a few different historical paranormal series as well as a um, sort of urban fantasy paranormal perspective series. So I rec would recommend her to anybody if you like sort of uh, contemporary, also with a paranormal bent, Jordan Castillo-Price, her um, Psycop series is fabulous, and that's another one that a lot of readers really, um, really love. I love her her writing. I'm a big fan of TJ Klune. He writes, interestingly, he writes really emotional, intense, angsty, heart-wrenching, and completely hysterical, rolling on the floor, crying, laughing, which I think is a skill that not many people can do. No. Um, Jay Rock is also another one who I think can do that hysterical, funny books and incredibly emotional books. But not every author has the ability to go back and forth between those two emotions so well. So TJ is excellent at that, and he has many series that are huge reader favorites. So those are just a few that I would toss out there. I could give you a million of them. A wonderful, you know, N.R. Walker is wonderful. She does wonderful contemporaries, an Australian author, and has lots of, tons of fans and, you know, really big, really big reader base. But yeah, I mean, I could, I could recommend you books all day, but, um, you know, just those are sort of some books off the top of my head. But like I said, if you have either genres or tropes that you're interested in, check out those lists because I do tag them all and it's an easy way to go through and say, oh, I really like rock stars and I have, you know, tons of rock star romances or links to things like that. Cool. Thank you. Really want to read emotional, angsty, but also really funny. Yeah. That, that is up my alley. Okay. Can you sort of tell, now that you've been reading them for a while, is there an author you've read who's just started to publish that you think it's going to get really big? You just really love their writing, or you think they are, they've hit something that no one else is, has hit? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, I often read debut authors, and what's interesting is, a lot more crossover authors now. So there's a lot of folks who um, I think are not necessarily yeah. new authors, but are new to the genre that I'm starting to see that I really like. Yeah. I, you know, I couldn't put my finger on somebody who I would say, you know, is new and up and coming. My favorite recent one that I read from an author who was a totally a debut author was called um, By the Curwongs, called by Welton B. Marsland, which is a historical set in Australia. It was pitched to me as a cross between 
Brokeback Mountain and Thornburgs, which was like Again, a big thank you to Jay of JoyfullyJay.com. Joyfully Jay has to be one of the best blog names ever, by the way. Just FYI, by the way. A big thank you. I knew she would know so much more about this than I know. I knew she would have tons of recommendations and ideas. And my TBR has 
doubled or tripled, maybe quadrupled. I want to read everything now. It's going to be great. This interview is available on iTunes. Please go to iTunes and leave a review or a rating. The music you are listening to was provided by Jamendo, and this is Ambient M by Anthony Rajakov. I think I nailed it. Probably not. Let me know. What's your idea, Bliss? Anthony Rajakov. <laughs> Anthony Rajakov. Anthony, Anthony Rajakov. Rajakov. Anthony Rajakov.
Antony, Antony Rajikov. Antony Rajikov. 